Ladies and gentlemen. All right, that kind of worked. Welcome everybody to the third, the as of yet biggest fourth, is it fourth? I should have more to drink, fourth. Uh, under the influence event, I clearly am under the influence as I hope all of you are too. If you want to talk about what's going on here, the hashtag is UTIOCT16, which stands for Under the Influence October 16. Suggestions for future hashtags can be written on the back of your name card when you put it away on your way out. <laughs> awesome. We are trying to entertain you with the next 15 minutes worth of quality chat with our three panelists up here. Uh, from stage left to stage right, we've got Ross Bredmore, we've got Lucy Hall in the middle, and we've got Phil Trippenbach all the way on the right. Now, all three of them are here because influencer wasn't a thing in their lives until a couple of months or years ago and has progressively moved more into the center of their professional and, I guess, personal lives in some way or another. And uh, that, for tonight, is where we are going to start. Does anybody have any injuries, pregnancies, hangovers that they feel like we need to know about before we start? None. Awesome. Does everybody have a drink? Good. Objective one achieved. Great. So welcome, guys. Thank you for joining us tonight. Uh, yeah. Phil, your role has a grammatically questionable but very interesting head of influencer. Yeah. <clears throat> so yeah, it does feel like they kind of missed the head of influencer strategy or head of influencer marketing. Uh, but it's a new position. Things are evolving very, very quickly. Uh, and basically, I do the strategy part and the marketing part. And uh, it's, it's a little bit weird because it seems like the industry, the communications industry as a whole is obsessed with influencer marketing right now. And uh, it's, it's mushrooming. So I used to be a journalist back in the day, and I used to work for the BBC. Uh, and, and back, was that a whoop at the back? Yes. <laughs> Represent. TV license payer right Represent. Back. All right. <clears throat> Um, so, uh, and the, the, we were talking about this before, and the funny thing is that it feels right now as if influencer, whatever it is, is going through the same stuff as social media was in 2006, 2007. In 2006, 2007, everybody was like, oh, MySpace, Bebo, Twitter, what is all this stuff? And I was a young guy at the BBC, and I was like, I know, <laughs> I'll help. Uh, and, and, and right now, um, I, I guess what's happened is that it used to be that social media was just for geeks, and so there were only geeks on social media. And what, what has happened is the technology has, has proceeded up the adoption curve, and we've gone from an implementation phase into an exploitation phase. I, is there anybody in the room who is not active on any social platforms at all? It's a dumb question for this room, right? But it's actually <laughs> a dumb question for any room, and that's where the whole influencer thing comes from, isn't it? Because you can't have mass audiences on social media unless the technology is mass adopted. Um, and so I don't even know if that answers the question, but um, yeah. It does. The, the gist of it was why you, which we have answered. So awesome. Lucy, you grab a mic. There you go. Yep. No, your question's going to be a new one. Um, so Lucy is in charge of an awesome event called Social Day which is exactly about not adoption, but exploitation and exploitation for businesses and individuals that may not have quite the means just yet to uh, go to Edelman 
for, for what they want to do. So tell us about Social Day and how you got to the event. Okay, so um, Social Day is, it's been going for about a year now. So in December will be our fifth Social Day event. And it's a social media forum for SMEs. So it's for kind of your freelancer and micro business up to your, you know, big hundred people, bigger kind of organization, like a bigger organization, but not you know, your corporates and that kind of thing. And um, at Social Day, what we do is we bring together um, a diverse range of people and a diverse range of speakers that teach these SMEs how to use social media and what they need to do with social media. And it's not just like, you know, this is how you set up a Twitter account and that kind of rubbish. It's like, this is how I leverage Twitter um, to get more sales, get more, you know, interest in my business, for example. So, um, yeah, th that's what we do, basically. We, we get people who are within the industry or are doing really well within their own businesses to teach people what they do so that they can take it away and go and do it themselves rather than spending a fortune if they don't have, you know, the money to spend on social media, basically. Cool. And last but definitely not least, Ross has come from a professional life that had digital quite at the core of, of the offering. And, and you're now basically the, the subject matter adjunct to an innovation company. So digital and influencer work is now an essential part of innovation in some way. And that's what you do? Yeah, so I, I kind of went to the dark side and I now work for a large <laughs> um, finance company. So my background is um, doing social media, digital, disruption type stuff. And I now work within a company of 6,000 people for whom the idea of sharing stuff online is terrifying. In finance, you protect your ideas, you don't speak openly online, um, but it's my job to give us credibility in the London FinTech world. Um, yeah, so a big part of my job is to make us more innovative in the way that we work. So I kind of do influence marketing from the inside out. So I persuade people that work for my company who know a shitload about regulation or finance technology to have a voice online and explain to them the benefit of doing that. And it kind of still boggles me that people don't get the benefit in that and it's a constant kind of battle uh, to get them to realise that. So yeah, I'm kind of doing this from the inside out, I guess. Cool. Well, those are our panellists. So seeing as you've all kind of had a personal progression through how influencer marketing was part of what you do, I was wondering if you could share with us some perspective on how you've seen the change of that being something that only the really cool, really pre-early adopter kind of companies did to something that is an essential part of the marketing or the marketing communications toolkit. How did that, how did you perceive that change? How did that go about in, in your day to day? So we're, we're in the shitty bit right now. Right. So any technology goes through uh, this hype cycle, right? I think it's a Gartner thing, but whatever. You get this, this peak of inflated expectations, and you get into the trough of disillusionment, and then you get gradually into the plateau of productivity. And right now, as far as influencer marketing is going, the, the roller coaster is about to, or maybe it's, we're already on the way down into that, that frothy kind of, I mean, look, when you say influencer these days, everybody thinks the crushed avocado on toast goji berry crowd, which is, which is you know, fair to a certain degree, but, but you get a lot of people who in their Twitter bio or in their, influence, uh, in their Instagram bio, you know, digital influencer, no, you're not, sorry, go away, right? Like, if, if, if you're defining yourself as an influencer, then what you're saying is, 
I am, I am masquerading in a way as, as a real human, but what I really am is just manufacturing a stream of content and I'm inviting brands to interrupt that. So, you know, influence is as old as we are. The right word whispered into the right ear at the right time has always made all the difference in the world. The only difference now is that the social relationships through which those messages travel, first of all, operate at scale, and secondly, leave traces. They leave traces that we can measure, they leave traces that we can, uh, that we can track, uh, and they mean that we can reach a lot of people. So, you know, look, if you've ever tweeted about goji berries, I'm just being glib here to prove a point, right? But the point is that, that influence right now has, has reached a, a level where it can really be of, of value in the communications world in a way that it wasn't before. And value defined by it being measurable. No, I, I think, well, okay, I mean, the measurement is a, is, is, a, is a function of the way that business operates. So if you can't measure it, it doesn't mean anything for business. So in a way, yes, but value determined by effect on people, right? We're, we're Edelman, like any communications company, is in the business of getting ideas into people's heads uh, for clients who pay us to do that. And, and that's value, is getting a certain group of people to think a particular way. But do you... Do you think it's just kind of become normal now, hasn't it? Like what you're talking about, you said we'd gone into a bit of a trough, but I kind of think we've got to a place where the things that you're talking about, it's just part of the kind of normal advertising mix, so what you'd call, I guess, through the line. Yeah, but it's not, it will be, it will be, I think. But, it, but, 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 but I think it's not quite, it's not stabilized yet. But I, I don't know, if, I mean, my girlfriend works in fashion and they've hired someone purely based on the back of her Instagram following, and she's got a big job and she is there to give them credibility in that space, and it's almost like they paid for kind of, you know, marketing throughout the year. And I think that's fairly common practice for large companies to hire I those am, kind of people. I am totally regretting that whole crushed avocado on toast comment now because <laughs> my glibness is gonna pay, is, is, is gonna come back to bite me. Look, uh, I, I totally agree that there are certain areas where it's more mature and more developed. So fashion is absolutely one of them. Uh, I have colleagues who work on a lot of brands uh, that are in the fashion hair care space. Obviously, that's a, that's a huge area. Uh, food is another one. Um, so yeah, there 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 are places where where influencer relationships and influencer marketing have uh, have, I suppose, proven their appropriateness yeah. more effectively than others. But the fixation on them uh, has a risk of distracting us from the larger long-term value of it. So we, we've covered there kind of the way that that companies or that, that the way the marketplace goes about it and that influencer in a way as a, as a profession is something that we should be weary of, rightfully so, I, I, I would say. Um, now, if we, if we think much, much, much smaller and we start thinking about someone who's just started a one-person business and they say, all right, well, I have learned that I need to have a Facebook presence and I learned that I need to have a Twitter presence because it is the easiest way for me to get my proposition out to the right ears, eyes, and so on and so forth. Um, how, has, how has that attitude changed with more of an awareness to saying there are, I can potentiate the amount of time I spend on this kind of stuff by using influencers or targeting specific relationships. Is that something that you come across as a question at your events? 
Um, no, most people don't know what influencer marketing is, to be honest. Most people, SM, a lot of SMEs just don't know. Um, and when they do, a lot of the time they will do it really well, actually, um, because they don't have big marketing departments and things like that to go through. So you're, you'll find that if they, if they do think they need to use something like influencer marketing, they... Like I said, they can do it really quickly. So for example, they can just jump on a Twitter account and start reaching out to the people they know can make an impact to their potential customers, you know? And those people don't have to be people with 100,000 followers, for example. They just have to have enough of an engaged audience. Remember, it only takes one person, doesn't it? It only takes one person to be engaged to then make an impact, you know? So I think, for the for the SMEs, they the, uh, most people aren't asking that question. I don't think, um, and but I think you know it's it's just a buzzword, isn't it, at the moment? Influencer marketing to those people. What is it? How do I do it? And I, I think a lot of them are just are doing it anyway. If that makes sense yeah. at all, a lot of them, a lot of people are doing it anyway. And if they're not, then I, I'm just, I'm sure that when they come to the next kind of social day they'll learn how to do it I don't know you know what I mean in, in a way it's a it's a natural outgrowth of running your own business though right I mean if, if you if you exactly. ran your own business yeah. and, and you didn't tell anybody about it yeah then unless you were a hitman that would be a bit weird but yeah it, you know so it's an outgrowth of just kind of talking about it and yeah. being open about your business right? well that's the thing isn't it it's, it's a it's a buzzword but it's a hugely important thing that you go out and you reach out to people when you start a new business. If you don't go out and talk to new people and um, find those so-called influencers who have an impact, um, then how are you going to increase your reach and how are you going to increase your audience? Yeah. So th there's just a point to add, I think, to this is that the problem with the designation of, I think, of influencer as a profession yeah. is that it, it so depends on what you're doing, right? Because if you're an SME and yeah. you're, you make candles, then why why would it be good for Zoella to to have your <laughs> candles in her videos? Do you know what I mean? She's got 10 million followers, but are they the candle buying sort? Do you know what I mean? Like right? So you can be an influencer in in a variety of different areas yeah. and and even the most influential people. So the president of the United States, Barack Obama, arguably the most influential person in the world, but if I was a hair care brand, I wouldn't want him tweeting about me. <laughs> Well, yeah, that's the thing, isn't it? Um, and it's not necessarily about how many followers someone has, is it? It's not about how many, um, you know, how many Twitter followers they have, how big their reach is on Periscope and Facebook Live and that kind of thing. It's about, you know, the, the influence they have within uh, that target community that you are trying to, you know, get to, basically. So exactly what you said yeah exactly for example when I'm trying to find someone to speak at my social media events I'm trying to look for influ social media influencers people who have got a de you know a decent following on social media but I'm not going to these massive like um, people with like Gary V and that kind of thing you know because it's you know it's 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 too far of my reach it's gonna be really expensive I'm I'm going for people who have got like quite a decent audience um, but they're they go out to that SME community, you know, which is exactly the right thing, you know? So I guess in our, in the topsy-turvy part of the curve that we're in right now, the question might even be, how many people that watch Zoella have never bought a candle in their life and have now started buying candles for no other reason other than them appearing in the videos, right? So that, that could happen yeah. effectively. So it's a little bit about being clear of your objective when you choose your influencers. And that's where, you know, 
going by reach, for example, is not categorically the wrong thing to do. It just depends entirely on what you're trying to achieve for yourself or for your brand. On, on the reach thing, that reach is nice if all other things are equal. But, but reach is just one of the dimensions. It happens to be the easiest to measure, which is probably why people have fixated on it first. But uh, there are other things, right? There's relevance, there's authority. There, there are a whole bunch of other dimensions of influence that actually can be measured, that we measure, uh, which affect a person's appropriateness to a particular brand. I'd like to touch on a subject that we've kind of handled a little bit, and that's SMEs would be naturally very good at influencing or working with influencers because your person equals your brand equals your business to start with, right? So you've got a very, very short lead between those things. And the bigger a company gets, arguably, unless you're a Mark Zuckerberg-ish, um, those leads between the brand, the product, and the individual and the personality get bigger and bigger. How, Ross, maybe that's something you can handle. If somebody in, in a space that in finance, those things tend to be quite removed because brands by default are more impersonable. How do you bridge those gaps? Yeah, I mean, I guess if you work in a big company, you're not incentivized to be an individual. You're not incentivized to have an opinion. It kind of gets beaten out of you. Um, <laughs> and yeah, if you work in a big company, you know that you have a PR team. You know that you have agencies that do this stuff for you. So it takes, I guess, a certain amount of bravery to speak out online to have an opinion about something and I think to get this stuff happening for the big corporates it's about permission rather than technical ability or what tools to use I think the people that we're talking to know how to have an opinion on LinkedIn or Facebook whatever it might be they just need to be shown the way and normally see someone more senior modeling that behavior so someone like Zuckerberg if you had him as your CEO it sets a great example if you've got someone who you know gets their emails printed out and given to them by a PA? It sets the opposite example, and that's the kind of culture you're fighting against. Um, and this is so. This is something that we were discussing a little bit earlier, and this is something that a lot of clients come to us with, also saying, "Look, we're we're great in terms of awareness. Everyone knows who we are. Everyone more or less knows what we do. But all things being equal, that doesn't make us." more a more likely candidate for their business than somebody who does what we do similarly well in a similarly sized company how can you how do you think you can leverage individuals within your business best to kind of to close that gap a little bit and to bring more personality to your brand whoever grabs it first i mean I, so i run the innovation team we have uh, ideas about financial products and services are really boring. It's capital markets, investment banking. I get bored even thinking about it, but <laughs> I said to them when they hired me, I'll only work there if we are open by default. So unless there's a legal reason that we can't share work, we stick it out there. And I think that's the only approach that you can take. So unless, you know, unless you're going to get sued for putting something online, you put it online. You know, there's no new ideas under the sun. There's only people that deliver them or execute them. So I think if you take that kind of approach, then you will build influence, you will build you know, reputation and authenticity, whatever you want to call it, but it feels like the only logical shortcut to doing that kind of stuff. I don't think it's very difficult to actually become an influencer. 
as long as you are creating um, really good content for your industry and you're educating people and you're talking to people and you're building relationships with the right people, um, that means, you know, those other kind of influencers, you're talking to your peers almost. Um, I, I think you can, you can become an influencer very, very easily and in a very short space of time. I mean, you can certainly get on the influencer lists very quickly. Hey, we spend long and hard time figuring out who those top 100 are every week. Well, I mean, I mean, your list is a lot more kind of complex. The algorithm's <laughs> obviously amazing. Um, but, you know, there's a lot of lists and there's a lot of things. And actually, um, creating a list is a really... The, I was just saying earlier that, the, um, that Joe's strategy that he uses here is a really, really, really good marketing strategy because what he does is he creates um, a list of influencers and then influencers love to be told they're influencers, of course, so then they're going to go and share that post with everybody else on their Twitter feed and their Facebook feed. And, of course, um, you know, it makes them feel good and Joe gets more views on his blog posts, which in turn makes more people think, oh, this is a great product, I want to buy it, potentially. Um, so, you know, that strategy is really good. I don't think it's that difficult to become an influencer if all you do is just be really valuable, create loads of really good content and just don't like blatantly promote stuff all the time. Um, you have to know what you're talking about. Of course you have to know what you're talking about, but I would hope, I'm, and I'm coming from an SME point of view, um, I would ha hope that if you are running a business um, within a, a certain area that you would know what you're talking about because otherwise... You'll be bankrupt. Yeah, exactly. Um, but it's just about giving away as much value as you possibly can. Um, and it, and it, it does come back to you. It really, really does come back to you. So I think what's interesting that's coming out there and that's something that perhaps hasn't happened as much as we would like to see it is that there's actually symbiotic value for both the brand and the individual in people actually putting things online and creating content for not just sharing it for the benefit of the company that they work for and creating content for the benefit of that company's proposition, product, service, whatever it might be, but also for the individual that might very well progress with them to other companies, other careers. And is that something that companies haven't yet to wake up to to make actual use of the people that they have? I think that uh, there, there is a tendency to view influencer marketing from an advertising perspective uh, where, where uh, openly or tacitly a company is thinking, okay, wait a minute, this person has 16 and a half million followers and what I'm going to do is I'm going to reach those 16 and a half million eyeballs by interrupting that flow of content by putting some stuff in there or getting them to share my corporate video. Ain't going to work. It's an advertising mentality. It has to, it, influencer mar marketing, influencer relations, if it's done right, has to come from an earned sensibility. Just like you would entice a journalist to cover something, uh, there has to be a reason for that person to cover it. And not everything is interesting to everybody, right? Uh, so you have to pick the right people to, 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 to come over. And I would say that it doesn't have to be a two-way win. It has to be a three-way win. Absolutely. So it has to be of value to the company who's doing the influencer marketing. It has to be of value to the influencer who's being involved. It, it has to give them something, help them do, create some content only better than they were before maybe. Um, and it has to be of value to their audience. You know, their, their public. If the followers of an influencer see a post and think, oh, hashtag ad, whatever, next, then, then that's wasted money. They have to be looking at it and going, wow, you know what, that, that, that brand actually did something really cool with that guy. 
right? And the, the brand publication, the brand partnership can be open. You know, nobody likes football less because the game happens to happen at, at Emirates Stadium, right? Uh, the content can be valuable even if the brand partnership is totally overt and it should be totally overt. And that's interesting because I think there's influencer marketing should enable companies or brands to bring about content and bring about new things that from their own rows and from their own marketing or PR team might not be feasible or they couldn't have thought of it or it's just not part of, uh, of their regular arsenal. So, huh, just because you said Emirates, you see how that works? <laughs> um, so, just to round it off a little bit, I'd kind of, I'd like to hear maybe one or two examples from each of you where you think influencer marketing can be anything, can be pay for play, can be some, you know, snowballing advocacy underground thing from one end of the spectrum to the other. A couple of really cool influencer-led campaigns that you may have seen recently or ever. I'll give a, an example. It's a personal one kind of relating to what we've been talking about. We, um, we put on an event recently at the Tate Modern about artificial intelligence. But AI is quite a big topic in finance, how you use it to make more money. Um, and I hear Barack Obama is an influencer on that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah they released a white paper today. Um, and the whole company, like, you know, the marketing team in New York, we're all kind of bearing down on London. You know, we need to get these big names in finance. He's like, you know, people that we've heard of and everyone knows who they are, but they're quite generic and bland. And I had to really stick my neck out and say, those people cost a lot of money. They're not going to say anything insightful and it's going to be like another tick on the box for them and their talking circuit. Actually, I can do a bit of digging. We can find three or four speakers that won't ask for money. It'll be mutually beneficial in a way that feels describing for, for them, for us and for the audience. Um, and it was quite scary for me because I thought, you know, if it backfires and these people turn out to be dickheads, I'll lose my job. But we kind of stuck with it and it, and it really worked. And that kind of, you know, extra effort and that, I guess, kind of um, me putting my neck out to say, we're not going to go for the big name, the big numbers and the big speaking fees. We're going to go for targeted people. The amount of people that came up to me after the event and says, you know, that guy that you put up there really knew what he was talking about and I'd never heard of him. That was great. So, yeah, kind of that's my kind of example. I've got a couple of um, cool examples, but they're not like on a huge kind of scale. I, I just uh, there's, there's there's quite a nice one that I want to talk about. Um, it's a guy that I've been working with um, for. A, he came to me about six months ago, and he said, "I've had this proposal from someone. I, I want to write. I've written a book, and I want to get it out to as many people as possible. And I don't have mu that much budget, um, but, th but everybody needs to know about this book because it's going to change the world, basically." And um, I've had a proposal from someone, and it's saying I've just got to go on Twitter and like schedule all these tweets out and that kind of thing, and that's how I'm going to, um, you know, sell my book, basically. He said, but I want a bestseller. And I was like, okay, okay, okay. okay. Um, so I was like, the first thing you need to do is just jump on to live streaming and live stream every single day and get your message out to as many people as possible. So this guy, he went on and he live streamed every single day. And um, so it's it's maybe been like five months or something like that. He's been live streaming. Um, and then anyway, he the, the, the end of September, 30th of September, he launches his book. And um, he's reached out to people on through live streams. So he's um, 
contact like been in contact with other live streamers who have also got like a decent following you know they're having like a thousand people two thousand people watching their live streams at a time and then they're sharing his live streams kind of thing so he he launches his book and um, he tells everybody go and buy my book go and buy my book and then the, those kind of influences in live streaming, he's sharing it as well. And he gets his bestseller, his number one Amazon bestseller, and unknown to just one guy, he gets it published and he gets his number one bestseller, right? Um, that quickly. And now he's um, is going on the ITV London News. You know, so this guy, he's just, you know, he runs a, like a car repair business. He's going to love me saying this. And <laughs> he's now just got a best-selling book that, and he, he genuinely thinks he can change the world. And, um, and he can, you know, you can. It's, it's not that difficult. That, that's a hard one to follow uh, because uh, the example that I have is is not really a world-changing thing, but it is my favorite example of, I think, influencer marketing done really right. Um, so uh, one of our clients is PayPal, uh, and, uh, and they approached us because um, a lot of people think of PayPal as just that thing that you use to buy stuff on eBay. Um, whereas what a lot of people, including me until I, I, I got it, in contact with this project, uh, I, you know, you can actually use PayPal to buy stuff in in, in MeetSpace also, uh, and that was basically their 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 whole thing is they wanted to reach uh, a 25 to 30 year olds across Europe and get them to realize that PayPal is actually something that you can use to buy stuff and every day. Um, so we went away and we did some research and we re realized that by and large, 25 to 30 year olds in Europe first of all, really couldn't give a toss about personal finance. Um, <laughs> so there's your first problem. Uh, the second problem is that they don't really care about buying things. But what they do care about is, is experiences. Uh, so of the experiences that they like, uh, the top, the, the most, the sort of the pinnacle apex experience is travel. And so what we did is we went and we, we, we found a travel blogger. And, um, and we, we worked with this guy to create the first cashless pole-to-pole -pole trip. And so what he did is he flew from Svalbard in the north. In, uh, it's not quite the North Pole, but it's, it's northern Norway. It's, it's north of the Arctic Circle. And he stopped in six different places. Um, uh, and everywhere that he went, he met a local photographer influencer in that place. And uh, he ended up after uh, Svalbard, Moscow, um, Barcelona, a few other places I'm forgetting, Cape Town. He ended up in Ushuaia, the southernmost uh, settlement uh, in Chile, or in, sorry, in Argentina, south, south tip of South America, um, without spending any cash. This was the thing. It was the cashless pole-to-pole -pole trip. It was, all, it was all paid for by PayPal, all the flights, the accommodation, the everything. So, you know, the thing is that if you, if you watch it, if you, if you go to YouTube and you, you Google PayPal pole to pole, if you like travel, it's actually, you know, it's interesting. It's good video. You know, this guy actually went and he saw some really cool stuff. Um, so it, it really was good for him. It, it made the brand look good. And, and I think it's good for the audience, you know, so that, that's why it, that, that's a, I think it's a good example. Yeah. And I think that's um, all three of those really interesting examples of how to actually use other connected individuals who have a common interest and some shared equity in a subject um, to actually make good use of them. And I think personally, the most interesting, the most interesting instances of influencer engagement are always those people that are willing to give away a little bit of control. It's comparatively easier with an agency because it's like semi giving away control. It's more governed than if you just went out on your own. But um, 
you know, whatever whatever gets you there, I think, as a company. And the, the really interesting thing is try to look up yourself examples of people, of companies that have set something up with someone who created content through their product, through their offering. Com camera companies are good at this. Uh, North Face, off the top of my head, is pretty good at that. Um, Patagonia, things that enable people who have something interesting to say, to say more of what they want to say, is a really simple formula, I think, to, to really good really good influencer engagement. So with that, I want to thank the panel for tonight. Thank you very much, guys. Big round of applause. Whichever channel you signed up to the event through will give you an opportunity to feed back to us. Please take the time and let us know what you enjoyed. These events are for us as much as they are for you. More for you, obviously, because there's more of you. Um, but do let us know what you enjoyed, how you enjoyed it, and use the hashtag to tweet. Stay for the finger food. And yeah, enjoy yourselves. Thank you very much.